Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 83, Healthy Homemade Seed and Nut Oils with Bevan Cohen. This is Bevan's second time on the podcast, and this time we talk about his new book on seed and nut oils and how to process them yourself at home. We talk about why seed oils have been getting a bad rap lately, um, and it's for good reason as most of the ones you get at the store are extracted with chemicals and are terrible for you. But we go into why making them yourself is it makes it a totally different product, which is healthy, tasty, and easy to make. We talk about some of Bevan's favorite seeds and nuts to make oils out of, how he got into it, and how you can do it. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get to it. Okay, so we've got Bevan Cohen on the Plant Cunning Podcast for the second time. And this time we're going to be talking about seed and nut oils, which uh, he's got a new book about the, the complete guide to seed and nut oils, growing, foraging, and pressing. And it's really interesting. And uh, I think it's going to be valuable for a lot of people. So uh, Bevan, how are you today? I am doing wonderful. I'm so happy to be back on the show. Thank you guys so much for having me again. Yeah, of course. Our pleasure. Yeah, this book is really cool. And uh, it's a really uh, important topic, I think. Yeah, I'm also really impressed with all of the beautiful illustrations in the book. You know, I I like the book. Obviously, I may be a little biased. Um, I I think it's a very informative book, and I'm excited to share all this information. But the illustrations is one of my favorite parts, too. Um, So let's let's get right into talking about that. We work with an artist. Her name is Alicia Mann, um, and she is from Pennsylvania. And we worked with her to do these illustrations, and they are just stunning. These, these drawings yeah. that she was able to do of these plants. Um, I'm just absolutely in love with them. We've made them into prints. Um, I've got some framed and hanging up in my home. Um, yeah, they, they're just absolutely gorgeous. She did such a fantastic job. She really captured the essence of all the different plants that we talk about in the book. Absolutely. Yeah, we have the, the drawing of hickory hanging in our house now. <laughs> we awesome. love it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a really good one. Yeah, it was hard to choose which one, but Isaac loves uh, especially shagbark hickory, so I got that for him. Yeah, yeah, she she really captured that bark really well. Yeah, Yeah. and that brings us to uh, a a a thing. So last week we talked to Samuel Thayer, who's a wild foraging expert, and that was a really cool episode. And we're going to put this episode out after that. Um, And what we talked about with him. Um, well, part of what we talked about was the importance of hickories um, and, the, mm-hmm. and oil in general uh, for your diet. Mm-hmm. And he's doing bitternut hickory, which apparently you don't even have to shell to press, which is pretty amazing. And then the, 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 all the tannins stay in the, uh, the nut meal and they don't go into the oil. So that's amazing. Um, but do, do you think we could start by talking about the importance of oil? In, in your diet. Absolutely. We could, you know, and it's, it's so exciting, especially in these last few years to see such um, uh, the movement towards local food, just leaps and bounds. Um, everybody getting so interested in, in supporting their local farmers or growing their own food or whatever it might be. Um, you know, this, this localized food movement is it, such an exciting time that we're in right now. 
Uh, but oil is is rarely even a part of that conversation. You know, the, these culinary oils that we use. We, we talk about, uh, oh, tomatoes and kale, certainly, right? Everybody likes to grow those. Um, some folks that are really tuning into growing grains, understanding that grains is kind of the foundation of the food pyramid, right? Um, and then we can't have a localized food movement without local grains. And that's a great conversation too. But what seems to be lacking from the conversation all the time is oil. And if we think about uh, what we do when we're in the kitchen, we utilize seed and nut oils almost in every meal, whether it is just simply a little bit in a pan when we saute something or drizzling it over our salads or whatever it might be, we, we utilize seed and nut oils on the daily basis. And if we truly wanna have a localized food movement, if we wanna provide for ourselves the, these uh, caloric inputs, if you wanna say it that way, um, we need to have a conversation about seed and nut oils. We can't have local food without localized seed and nut oils, period. Yeah. And it, it's just important how ca ca calorically dense oils are. And we don't often realize that we th when you first start getting into um, homesteading and like the possibility of living off the land or the possibility of being somewhat uh, self-reliant, um, you, you know, you start with like, you know, potatoes are really good. Corn is really good. Your grains, you got you to have that, that bulk starch. And then you think about, well, you got to have protein too. You know, you got to grow grow your rabbits or whatever you're doing. Um, but the oil is, is actually almost more important. <laughs> well, it's as important. And when we were talking with Samuel Thayer, um, he, he talked about when he did a wild food diet, he was like craving oil. And this was before he started pressing um, hickories. And so he like, when we finally got some bear fat, that was like the most, it like made everything better. And, you know, mm. he was, you know, um, but you can't really survive without <laughs> that calorically dense oil. And for me, you know, I, I eat meat and uh, I think that animal fats are a really crucial part and can be a crucial part. And that's why we raise geese because geese uh, can turn grass into, into fat, but seed and nut oils are a crucial part of the whole thing. And like, we do use them on a daily basis. But the other thing that I think has been coming up that I've been seeing coming up in the like collective consciousness, or, you know, I've been just seeing in various places is um, the problems with seed and nut oils. Like commercial. And, and it's mostly because of the, the yeah. commercial aspect of it. And they, they go rancid and all that stuff. Do you think we could uh, kind of address that topic? Like, like what's uh, wrong with canola oil and vegetable oil that you get at Walmart? Yeah, I dig that. So let's start unpacking all these things. So first, I want to kind of come back to what you were saying about Sam and when he was working on his wild food diet. And when you realize that he was craving these oils, these fats, um, especially when, you, when you're focused on a, a wild food diet, when a majority of your time is spent burning calories in search of calories, we need these high calorie things. And that's why fats are so important, um, whether they be animal fats or seed and nut fats, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're essential to our ability to to synthesize, to create, you know, our vitamins, um, to metabolize our vitamins. Um, there's just so many benefits to it, but people do get turned off to these seed and nut oils because you see it a lot um, where people are saying, oh, you know, you should be avoiding seed and nut oils if you want to have a healthy diet um, because of inflammation or what have you. And I think that it's, it is these, these modern oils that are specifically the topic when we, when we say you should avoid oils, that, that's what they mean. But people, people are so far from their food. So, you know, detached from their food that 
they don't understand the specifics, you know, the differences between the oils that you may purchase at your grocery store and the oils that you may be able to get your hands on when you press your own. And they're, they're, it's two different worlds. They're, they're very, very different things. A majority of the oil that you're going to purchase at your grocery store is uh, chemically extracted. These are chemically extracted oils. Um, they use uh, the solvent typically is hexane, right? And hexane is just, just a couple molecules shy of being gasoline. Really, um, so this is the, the solvent that they use to extract these oils. It's definitely the most profitable way to do it. You're going to get the highest yields from these oils, and we're talking things like vegetable oil, canola oil, corn oil, soy, those sorts of things. You can get sunflower. A lot, a great majority of the oil that you're going to buy at the grocery store is chemically extracted. Um, so they utilize this hexane again, like I was saying, as a solvent to pull these oils out. But then these oils have to be refined. Um, so they go through a bleaching process, deodorizing, degumming. Um, mm. it, it's a pretty extensive process that the oils go through, which makes them incredibly shelf stable. Um, these these oils can sit on the shelf at the grocery store for you know two years before somebody even buys them, and you wouldn't even know the difference. Um, but they they lack nutrition, they lack flavor, they lack aroma. You could take a chemically extracted sunflower oil let's say, and put it next to a uh, mechanically extracted oil, which we'll talk about what I mean by that here in a second, I guess, um, a mechanically extracted oil, like the sunflower oil we press here at Small House Farm. And you can put these two different oils next to each other and immediately identify the differences. Okay. Chemically extracted oil, very pale, whereas mechanically extracted oil is golden. It smells like sunflowers. It's delicious. The stuff from the grocery store is pale, odorless, flavorless. Um, it'll certainly sit on the shelf, but I think that that's really the only benefit to it. So mm -hmm. when health food folks start talking about how oil may not be a healthy part of our diet, it's these commercially extracted, solvent extracted, refined oils is what they're speaking of, which are not something that I would want to consume as well. Once you understand the process of how they're made, that does not sound like just two steps from the garden as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. 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 And just like think about like canola oil too, apparently that is a very recent um, addition to our diets, like the, was it the seventies or so when they started, uh, using it? Sure. Well, canola isn't a plant that's important to note, right? Canola yeah. is, stands for Canadian oil, uh, low acid. Um, it's actually a rapeseed is that it comes from, which is a member of the brassica family. And people have been pressing seeds from, or pressing oil from brassica seeds for a very, very long time. Um, actually, um, but canola rapeseed in and of itself, not so much. Um, the, the acid content made the oil and the seed cake from the process, not palatable, not something that humans should consume. So this newly developed rapeseed, um, that they call canola now that they press for oil is, is a very new thing from the seventies. Um, a lot of it's been genetically modified for mass industrial agriculture. Um, it checks a lot of boxes red flags, if you will, for things that you might want to avoid. Um, but I think that they're easy to avoid if we just realize how simple it could be to press our own oils right at home anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is the difference between like a mechanically pressed and you mentioned how chemically pressed oils extracted. or chemically extracted oils works, but is mechanically pressed the same as cold press? Well, in a way, yes. So mechanically extracted, we could take um, any historical reference to oil extraction, and it's going to be a mechanical pressing. We could even look at how they used to press olive oil, even in biblical times when they describe how the oil was pressed back then. And what we're using here is just simply pressure, right, to squeeze the various seeds or nuts um, to get the oil out of them, utilizing simply pressure. 
Um, we've upgraded that technology. Obviously, we're not all just using the stone wheel anymore to do that. Um, but even the simplest machines that we can get at home, um, it's still utilizing that same pressure. An expeller press machine, um, like we talk about extensively in the book, because I think it's the easiest for household use, is mm -hmm. essentially it's just a graduated turn screw um, that squeezes those seeds in the chamber. Again, squeezing them, utilizing pressure to pull that oil out of them. Now, mm -hmm. cold pressed, that's just defining the temperature at which the oils are being extracted. Um, mm -hmm. They're all mechanically extracted, cold press oils are, but they're also being extracted below 212 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Below mm -hmm. that temperature now makes it, this is a cold pressed oil, uh, which retains all of its flavor and nutrition. Some oils, although mechanically extracted, are extracted at high heats. Um, a good example would be grapeseed oil. Mm -hmm. Grapeseed oil is very difficult to, uh, to get a good yield on. Uh, using a cold press technique. We need to introduce heat to the process and that high heat does increase our yields, but then it breaks down the nutritional value of the oil. Um, so a, a cold press oil is certainly ideal and the oils that you can press at home would fall under the category of cold press, mechanically extracted oils. Mm -hmm. Cool. So another thing um, that I noticed when reading the book is that some of the, um, the, the seeds and nuts that you use you will roast beforehand, like walnuts, for instance. So does that affect um, the, <clears throat> the, the value of the oil? Well, you know, so we want to roast these oils at low temperatures, of course. And there's two purposes to why we would want to roast the oils. One, um, just slightly warming the seeds um, is going to increase their yields, right? Uh, using that little bit of heat is going to coax more oil out of our seeds and nuts. You can see it like the old hand-turned pitaba oil press, again, that expeller press machine that we, we focus on heavily in the book even utilizes a small kerosene lamp to kind of warm up that chamber. It's still below the cold pressed temperature threshold, uh, but it's just enough warmth to kind of coax more oil and to increase those yields. The second reason that we might want to consider roasting our seeds and nuts is for the flavor profile, right? Um, not necessarily for, for any other reason than to just make it more delicious. If you think about, say, uh, sesame oil, you'll see two different, distinctly different sesame oils in the grocery store. There's a, a, a blonde, yellow colored sesame oil that's great for saute and stir fry. And then there's that dark, dark sesame oil that we use kind of more as a flavoring um, to sprinkle on our, our, our foods after they're prepared. That dark sesame oil is toasted. You toast the sesame seeds and you get a much darker, uh, smokier, more umami flavor in your oil. So when I recommend pressing or toasting your, your walnuts, your pumpkin seeds, things like that. A lot of that is just to enhance the flavor of the final product. Cool. So I think that will probably inspire people through this conversation to actually start making their own oils or for, you know, to source oils locally. But if you did have, if you do have to buy oils from a store, like from the grocery store, do you have a recommendation on what type of oil might be the healthiest versus like olive or coconut or grapeseed or avocado? Like, is there, you know, a direction that you can point people for now until they start making their own oils? Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call out any particular seed or nut oil to say it's healthier than others, but I'm going to talk about the way that they're made. If you are yeah. going to the, go to the grocery store to purchase seed and nut oils, you want to look on the back of the package, um, right where you look at the ingredients, you know, don't look at the front of the package because it's just all marketing, but the back of the package <laughs> yeah. is where you're going to find most of your information. And you're <laughs> looking for the word expeller, E-X-P-E-L-L-E-R, expeller pressed. You want to find that word. Companies that are 
taking the time to expel or press, mechanically extract their oils, they're getting lower yields. And they're doing it because they believe in the quality of the product, right? It's not as profitable. Sometimes expeller pressed oils cost a little bit more at the grocery um, and that's okay. So these companies believe in the quality of that product and they're going to take the time to make sure that you know that their oil is higher quality by telling you how it's made. So you want to find that word expeller. If it doesn't okay. say expeller pressed on it, it's likely chemically extracted and not necessarily what you, you might want at your home. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, the and that that expeller press is what most homesteaders, most people at home making their own oil would use. Um, so do you have recommendations as to like like how much does it cost for uh, an oil press? Like what what how much can you it's make? Yeah, so inexpensive. It's so inexpensive, yeah. right? So in the book, we, we kind of break down different uh, machinery choices, different options for for presses that you might use. Um, Ram presses, Aganis, like they use in India, which is essentially like a giant motorized motor, mortar and pestle style thing. Um, and those all work fine. But the, I think that the best is going to be the turn screw expeller press um, because you don't, it's continuous. With these other mm -hmm. single batch methods, you know, you press some seeds, then you got to clean out the machine. But the turn screw, you can just run and run and run. So it's the easiest. Oh, yeah. You can get one. We talk about the, the brand that we talk about in the book is called Pitaba. Um, the Pitaba brand oil press. They're made in Holland. Um, they are sturdy, fantastic pieces of machinery. Um, and I recently was actually just pricing them and you can get one for less than $200. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then so through the book, we, we've, we kind of talk you through. So you get started with this hand turn oil press and you may find yourself in a place where it's too physically exhausting to continue to press by hand. Um, which if by household standards is not, not, not likely to happen, but if you're trying to press enough, um, for your community, for your neighbors, maybe as a small business or something like that, a hand turned machine can get quite cumbersome. Um, <laughs> so we walk you through how to take this inexpensive machine and motorize it or hook it up to your bicycle, make it pedal powered, all sorts of different ways that we can use this machine. But to get started, it's a relatively small investment, just a couple hundred dollars. And this machine, like I said, it's, it's sturdy. It will last you. I mean, many, many years. The one that we got, I mean, the first one that I bought, I got 10 years ago and it's still practically brand new. Um, I've wow. had no issues with it at all. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a worthwhile investment. And then, so how did you know, like at what, how did you know that it was time to get like the, the bigger machinery personally? Like um, at what scale, like, I'm, I guess I'm curious, like how much you can get out of that hand press for home use? um like how long it takes you know and then like at what point are you like okay maybe i do need the bigger one sure that's a great question uh, you know the only reason that we upgraded to a bigger machine was because we were pressing oils commercially uh, mm -hmm. once we got started doing it we started selling them at the local farmer's market um and it, it was wildly successful i would sell out it seemed to be no matter how much oil i could bring to the farmer's market each weekend i would sold all of it Wow. Uh, I, I couldn't physically keep up with the demand. Um, so for me, it was necessary to upgrade to a larger, uh, you know, electric machine uh, to help kind of alleviate that because it was it was too much for me. Um, but for household use, I don't think that there ever would have been a need to upgrade to a larger machine, uh, okay. maybe to upgrade the machine I had to a pedal powered one or something. But you have to think about this. It doesn't take long to press enough oil for a day's use. Um, you can press enough oil within a, just a couple of hours of time for a few days worth of use. And I always recommend folks, especially if you're new to pressing your own oil, is don't try to press a gallon at a time. 
Um, okay. You don't need a gallon of oil for any purpose. You know what I mean? If you have a gallon of oil, what are you going to do with it? You're going to store it and you're going to hold right. on to it. And now what's the benefit of that? If we're trying to enjoy freshly pressed oils, let's press it fresh. You can press enough to get you through the week um, and then maybe, you know, run it once a week. Uh, I got a right. couple of kids now here at the farm. So I just put them on the bicycle and you dangle a carrot <laughs> in front of them and off they go. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, so an, cool. <laughs> that's an important consideration too, is like the oxidization. You know, if you want to keep your materials as whole as possible, as long as possible, right? So like your walnuts, you want to keep them in their shells until you're ready to extract them. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right? right. Exactly right. So everything is, is in small batches. And that's the beauty of doing it at home is you get to control that quality right down to the nth degree, you know? So you keep those seeds whole until you want to crack them and shell them. And then you crack them and shell them. And then you press only what you're going to need. So you ultimately always have the freshest oil available. And once you spoil yourself by having the freshest oil ever made, you will never be able to go back to a oh my gosh. store. There's no <laughs> difference. Just like a homegrown tomato is a thousand yeah. times better than anything at the grocery store. The same is said for home pressed oils. Mm. Yeah. And then can you talk a little bit about like the volume, like say, for example, sunflower seed, if I wanted to make like a cup of sunflower seed oil for the week or whatever, um, about how much pound, about how many pounds of sunflowers would you need? Well, you know, my conversions from cups to gallons is, is poor. So you'll have to do this for me, but I know that I can press about 10 pounds of sunflower seeds would make me a gallon of oil. Okay. That's so, okay. Not, not a lot. You know what I mean? Think about how much a gallon of sunflower oil is right. when you're using like two tablespoons in a meal. Um, Great. It's quite a bit. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get like a 10 pound bag of sunflower seeds that like, you know, for bird seed, you know, that's like a common that amount. That size, right. <clears throat> and well, oh, well that's yeah. And dig it, man. That, that bird seed, that sunflower seeds that they sell for bird seed, those black oil sunflower seeds. Mm -hmm. They are the premium sunflower seed for pressing oil from. They have some of the highest oil content of out of all the seeds you're going to press, um, sunflower seeds. So those black oil sunflower seeds are ideal for home extraction. You don't even have to shell them, run them, shell and all right oh, through wow. your machine. They're super simple. Um, you know, to, to, to bring it back to uh, the bitter nut, the hickories um, mm -hmm. that Sam Thayer was talking about. And I love that idea. And I love being able to run seeds through the machine without taking the shell off of it. Anytime we could save a step, you know, that's, that's a bonus. Right. Um, and I love that. I love to doing that, but it's important to note that the seed cake that comes out of the end of the machine, the leftover crushed seed, um, yeah. is also very useful. Um, mm. and, and if we take the time to remove the shells from our seeds, so it's only seed that comes out the end of that machine, um, it's completely edible. And you can use it in the kitchen as well. Um, you know, right. I'll run it through like a food processor, like hemp seeds or something, turn it into a powder, I'll put it in my pancakes and baked goods, put it in yeah. smoothies, you know, whatever you got going on. But when you're crushing it with the shell on, whether it's a, a hickory nut shell or a sunflower shell or whatever, then it's not something you're going to want to consume necessarily. Um, sure. But you can certainly feed it to your chickens or your yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you can take some of the stuff, I'm telling you just throw it in the compost. And it seems it's the, the luscious blackest soil that seems to come from it. It's amazing. Um, so it's a zero waste operation, no matter how you do it. But I love to have an edible seed cake at the end, uh, which is why we don't do a lot of the bitter nut hickory, because even though the bitter doesn't come into the flavor of the oil, 
the seed cake is incredibly bitter. Um, not, yeah. not, I don't find it to be very enjoyable at all. I'd rather press, you know, a shag bark or, or a pecan, right? Um, a pecan is just delicious all the way around. Oh, yeah, what yeah. a decadent oil that makes. <laughs> yeah. They're the best. Yeah. That, <clears throat> it's a little harder to get some of those in the northern, more northern areas, though. <laughs> that yeah. it is. That it is. But, you know, sometimes I'm lucky enough to um, go to the Mother Earth News Fair. I speak at those quite often. And those, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be down in Texas or something. And I will literally... <laughs> Load up my suitcase full of pecans um, and, <laughs> and bring that back with me because I, I, I have no self-control. Yeah, I remember one time I was on tour with my band and we stopped at a gas station in Alabama and there was a giant pecan tree there. Yeah. And it was it was like in the middle of winter and there was just like pecans everywhere. Oh I'd like gosh. load a bag of full and we were eating them the whole way. <laughs> That's good living. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I wish. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm growing some northern hardy pecans and we'll see how they do you know it'll be a little while before they uh, actually start a couple, couple years maybe before you yeah. got enough to press some oil but it's worth the wait cool okay yeah so that brings us to the next question what are your some what are some of your favorite oils to press and like seeds to work with well you know um obviously sunflower seed that's that's kind of where we started with small house farm i mean the oil press really was the, the base of everything that became the small house farm homestead all started with this oil press and it was by pressing sunflower seeds. Um, mm. So, I mean, there's a sentimental bit there, sure. Uh, but it's also just a delicious oil. It's easy to grow. Um, you know, you can grow sunflowers practically anywhere, get a good harvest of them. And um, they're very productive. You get great yields off of them. So I always recommend folks start with sunflower seeds. You know, it's, it's an easy and delicious oil to make. Um, I love hemp seeds. Uh, we press a lot of hemp seed. Um, unfortunately we don't grow a lot of our hemp seeds here, um, which is a whole conversation maybe for another day, but there are not enough people growing hemp seed commercially. I'm telling you, um, at the peak of our business in, in 2017, we won a good food award, um, for our hemp seed oil. And it was to say we were busy after that would be an understatement. It was out of control, the amount of oil that we had to press. And we have been buying hemp seeds actually from a Canadian farmer, which is practically our neighbor here in Michigan. Um, But at at the peak of our commercial business, we've tried to scale down because I prefer to spend more time at home. Um, We are bringing in like 1,800 pounds of hemp seed every year um, to press for oil. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. It it was a little out of control. Um, But the (laughs) oil itself, mm, there is nothing better than freshly pressed hemp seed oil. It is just delicious it's nutty and green it's so good for you you know so that's a winner for sure um but lately i've really been into pumpkin seeds Um, okay i love i've been loving the pumpkin seeds um you know and there's there's hullless pumpkin seeds you know we talk about some of the different varieties that you can press in the book um you know seeds that have been developed to have no shell on which you know make a really nice oil um but in my experience most of the hullless pumpkins that I've Hollis seeded pumpkins that I've worked with, uh, the pumpkins themselves are bland and boring and don't have a lot of flavor. And that bums me out because I have limited space here and I, pumpkins take a lot of space to grow. So I would like to get something that I can enjoy the pumpkin and get a good seed oil from, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, you know, stack my functions, I suppose. Uh, and what's really been turning me on is butternut squash, which is actually mm-hmm. a different species, right? But butternut mm-hmm. squash are delicious. Um, yep. they, they store well. It's one of my preferred mm-hmm. squashes to grow and they're high yielding oils and the oil is high quality as well. So really the butternut squash, that's mm-hmm. what's been getting me excited lately. 
Cool. Yeah, I love roasting butternut squash seeds. And I mean, all the the oh, squash yeah. and pumpkin seeds are so good. But that's a that's awesome. And so for the variety of sunflower seed, you said the black, like which one do you recommend growing? I mean, if you just get your hands on some of those black oil, they're called black oil sunflower seeds. It's the okay. most basic commercial sunflower out there. Uh, that's the greatest place to start. You can get the seeds in bulk really inexpensively. Uh, they, they germinate well, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll grow practically anywhere um, and you'll have plenty of time to get a yield out. Yeah, that was the one that was exciting me the most um, when reading through the species in your book um, because they are, they are, they're so easy to grow. You can get a lot, like you get a lot of bang for your buck with them. And how gorgeous are they? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they check every box, don't they? They're perfect. Yeah. When you yeah. see like a field of sunflower seeds, you're just like, you all of a sudden your mouth is just turned up in a big smile and you don't, you know, you can't help yeah. yourself. It's just so pretty. Yeah. You know, and I always recommend folks like up, up here by me, there's a lot of people that grow fields of sunflowers um, as kind of like an agro-tourism type of thing. Yeah. Um, and they'll have folks come out to do photos and whatever they might be doing, which is pretty nice, but then they're not harvesting those seeds. You know, they kind of serve mm-hmm. their purpose during peak bloom and then that's it. So I always recommend, oh, if you've got somebody like that in your community, connect with them. They might be willing to share some of that sunflower harvest. Um, if you are running an agro-tourism situation where you're already growing sunflowers, why not get some more bang for your buck if you're already ah. growing them, you know, and, and kind of utilize that as some winter income, whatever it might be. You know, um, it's right at our fingertips. We just need to have more conversations like this about it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because you, you kind of sometimes over like over you don't even think about sunflowers as a crop. You know, you, you just think about them as as a ornamental thing. But they're actually like one of the most calorically dense crops you can grow. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. And, you know, and they're calorically dense. They're gorgeous. Like you said, you know, they're they're pretty much the perfect thing to be growing but people don't like you said they don't see it as a food crop um they just see it you know for for its natural beauty which is nice too um Mm -hmm. but for me i think it's the fact that it's such delicious and nutritious food that really gets me excited about sunflowers yeah 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 if you can be growing a a portion of your you know acreage homestead whatever you've got sun with sunflowers you can be producing you know really healthy oil for yourself and food feed for your (laughs) for your animals too yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely so then in the same vein of um your favorite crops to make oil out of are there any that you've tried that you're like no i'm not doing that again (laughs) well gosh you know um not so much anymore, but when we first got started um, at the farmer's market, we were selling sunflower oil and then uh, we moved into hemp seed oil. Um, and then we had a lot of health conscious folks start asking me about flax, flax seed oil, uh, uh-huh. yeah. which we did press. We, we, we got some, and I mean, flax grows pretty easily. Uh, we were able to, to secure some flax seeds and press those, but a flax seed is very, very hard. Um, it's, it's a very hard little seed. And when mm-hmm. I was running my oil press by hand, it was very difficult um, okay. to really to crush those seeds. Well, I, I found it to be quite challenging um, on a motorized press or even hooked up to a bicycle. I found it to be a lot easier to do, um, but just cranking them by hand, they were very, very difficult. And then the oil is, it's very delicate. It needs to be refrigerated um, quickly mm. after it's pressed. Otherwise it will oxidize. I mean, relatively quickly. So 
Um, it's just one that you have to be a little bit more careful to, you know, it's a little harder to squeeze and then you got to store it properly. Uh, so there was a bit of a learning curve there. It doesn't affect us now as much now that we've upgraded our press, but as a, as somebody that may be new to pressing oil with a hand turned press, you're going to come across a few seeds like flax that are really going to make you earn the oil for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. I can imagine they're so small. They probably just like slip out from the, the, the crank part, the, well, you know, Sure. And so you'll see um, in the book, uh, we, we kind of diagram, we lay out all the different parts of the, the hand turn expeller press so you can see the parts. And there's actually like a bolt that will go into the very end of the chamber um, where the seed cake comes out, um, a little bolt that screws in there to actually make that hole significantly smaller, um, specifically for when you're dealing with tiny seeds like uh, flax, poppy seeds, those little things, you know, um, without a cap on the end, there's just not enough pressure to really get a good oil extraction. So there's some adjustments, there's some learning as you go, which is, you know, really was my impetus for writing this book is I wanted people to understand how easy it could be to press their oil, but not having to make a decade's worth of mistakes like I did. There wasn't a book like this when I got started pressing oil 10 years ago. And so I had to learn every step of the way, every stumble, every mistake, um, which I suppose is good for you, but gosh, if I could put it in a book for somebody else to read and they could skip all that and get right to the good stuff, that's what we want to see happen. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of flax, like we, we think of flax seed oil kind of as like a medicinal oil too. And so like are some of these oils that you can press like a uh, grapefruit seed oil, where like some of these medicinal oils, are they, how, how hard are those to do? And have you found success doing those? We have with some, you know, and that became a thing with the flaxseed oil actually is, you know, because here at Small House, we also offer a number of herbal wellness products, right? That we uh, craft right. from oils that we press and herbs that we grow and that sort of thing. Um, so with the flax, I found that it's, it's an incredible a topical for anti-inflammatory issues, you know, for inflammatory issues, like um, for arthritis and joint pain, topical application of flaxseed oil is really, really helpful for that. Um, So we started utilizing a lot of these oils, even ones that you consider culinary oils, I suppose, like sunflower oil in these topical preparations um, with, and having great success with it, right? So I think that all oils are medicinal in their own right. Just like we study herbs to learn about their chemical constituents so we know which herbs to apply to which medical situation or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, All these oils come from plants and all of those plants offer specific chemical constituents that are also medicinal. You know, we use hemp seed oil in some of our pain relieving applications. Um, I like to use sunflower oil in in salves that are good for healing the skin because of the high vitamin E content. Um, I find that they all are beneficial in their own way when, mm. when we utilize them. Um, and we do talk about that in the book as well. You know, I don't delve too deeply into the herbalism side of things, but I do like to help people see that all of these oils are useful in the kitchen as well as the apothecary, um, that, that they, they plants offer us many beautiful gifts, really. Absolutely. And then other than food and medicine, um, what other applications of oil are useful, like fuel or something? Well, sure. You know, and that's a big thing is biofuel, Um, you know, and sunflower seeds, there's a big, big movement right now turning bio, you know, sunflower seeds um, and corn into biofuels. Um, People, you know, historically have used oils in religious ceremonies. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've used them as lamp fuel. 
Um, so, I mean, there's certainly options for all those sorts of things. And we kind of talk a little bit about biofuel in the entry about sunflower specifically. You know, when we were trying to upgrade from this hand-turned press into a, a larger um, electric machine, before I was clever enough to just to develop that myself by hooking up a motor or a bicycle, when we were shopping mm -hmm. around for actual machines, um, which we did secure a couple we were able to purchase, but we had to buy them overseas and the shipping was, was very cost prohibitive. Um, I, I was, I had such a hard time finding an American built electric oil press that wasn't specifically for biofuel, that wasn't like a very large scale, taking up a whole bay of my garage style machine. Um, very, very large scale stuff, which is what a lot of the industry here in the United States that are building oil presses are geared specifically toward biofuel production, um, which is cool to see. Absolutely. But for a small scale producer, that wasn't doing me any good at all. Uh, so we had to shop overseas to find a smaller mechanical machine, which we were able to get, like I said, but it, it was pricey. And then I quickly realized that for anything household, um, I didn't need such a big machine. Um, mm. That simple hand-turned oil press is really all that we need. Cool. Cool. So I'm curious too about um, your salves. Are you, so you make your salves out of all oils that you make? Yes. You know, sometimes we'll use a little olive oil here and there. Um, but for the most part, all, all the oils that we use, we press here at the farm. Um, the herbs that we use, I either grow here or we gather from the 1100 acres of forest across the street. Um, mm. And then the beeswax that we use actually comes from an apiary. Um, it's about a mile and a half from here. So it's practically it's the same bees that, you know, pollinate my garden that are making this beeswax. So it's a very hyper local uh, set of ingredients that we try to use. Yeah, I mean, that that's, a, that's really awesome. cool. I mean, because AC makes uh, a lot of salves, like that's one of her things. And we're getting in like coconut oil, you know, and olive oil and olive oil. Sure. Local beeswax. Yeah. Using local yeah beeswax, but it's, I mean, well, you know, it, I came to think of it. It was like, you know, these, these oils are more than just a menstrual, you know, it's not just right. a solvent that I'm using. It's, yeah. it's an ingredient in and of itself. So I, I thought it was very important to, to treat them that way, that each formulation, the oil that I'm infusing these herbs in, is a part of what I'm making and it, I should choose it selectively based on the product that I'm trying to make. And then of course, and as I'm sure you guys know, right, that herbalism is all about relationships, you know, yeah. with ourselves and with our plants or whatever. And to be able to press the oil that I then use to infuse the herbs that I grew, I think that, that that's yeah. very important to me. To, to have that level of interaction with all of my ingredients that I then offer to, to our customer base. Yeah, that's super inspiring. Cause I also think about just the amount of um, fossil fuels it takes to ship coconut oil and olive oil from way the hell over there um, <laughs> yeah. to state New York and the impact that I'm having on the environment in that way, you know, making like 500 salves at a time. And it's like, sure, it's organic oils, but and expeller press, but it's like, uh, that's I could do, I could probably do better than that. And so this is that's part of the reason why I'm super excited about your book and super inspired by your work and talking to you today because I really want to get into pressing my own oils from local sunflower seeds or uh, maybe hemp seeds, you know. So you're making my day, AC. If you're gonna try to do it, that means the book I'm is gonna a do success. It. I love it. I love it. 
<laughs> yeah. You're making my day, Bevan. <laughs> well, yeah, the thing with hemp seeds too, though, is like there's just so much more money in, you know, cannabis as a recreation or, or medicine. And then if you have um, like you can spoil that whole thing by getting it all seedy. If you have like acres and acres of, oh, yeah. of hemp it's one or the other <laughs> close by. <laughs> yeah, man. So here in Michigan, there's a lot of um, CBD hemp production happening. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. All of our local greenhouse. I was just at a greenhouse today and that's half the greenhouse now has become hemp, you know, production, which is cool. It's cool to see that, you know, to see that evolution of thought because it wasn't that long ago that cannabis extracts were considered a part of regular medicine. And then there was this window of time where it was, it was frowned upon very heavily. Um, and now it's kind of, it's cool to see people coming back to that, you know, yeah. that cyclical nature of human thinking is, is, is fascinating to watch, but everybody is making more money off of CBD products than they are off of hemp seeds. And when I even approach these guys about, Hey, how about a hemp seed crop? You know, they pretty much laugh me out of there. Um, <laughs> That's, right. that's not the priority for them. That's not the market. That's not the business. And it's like, okay, well, meanwhile, I'm, I'm buying hemp seeds. I, it's it's easier Canada. for me to buy it over an international border. Yeah. than it is to get it from a local farmer and it's, you know, it's a little frustrating. So I'm just hoping that some folks can, we can maybe inspire somebody to kind of pick up that mantle and run with it and, and make some hemp grain uh, production happen because uh, I know I'd be first to buy some. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think part of it is there's just so much regulation. And so like, I don't know how it is in, in Michigan, but in New York, it's incredibly full of red tape in order to, if you're going to put all that capital up front and all that work into all the red tape, you know, you want to be probably making something back. That's <laughs> more than, more than like, you could just grow sunflowers. <laughs> well, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and it, we could debate, I suppose, the pros and cons of, of all that red tape, although I feel that you and I would be on the same side of that debate. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, right. But it does. It, it, it forces people into whatever's the most profitable thing to do. And when, yeah. we, when we, we make our decisions based on what's the most profitable thing to do, sometimes we don't make the same decisions that we would make otherwise. And, right. you know, and it, it creates a, you know, almost a snowball effect where, so many folks are interested in this particular aspect of that industry that everything else is being neglected in a way that should, I think, be just as valuable to pay attention to. We could talk about hemp grain. We could talk about hemp fibers. We could yeah, yeah. Yeah. talk about hemp fibers and we should be seeing more of that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately that's not where the, the, it's not the quickest, most profitable way to, to use, utilize that plant. Um, which is well, the state also wants their, their cut, you know? <laughs> Well, boy, yeah, they sure do. Any <laughs> transaction somehow. It, yeah, that's a thing. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's all about baby steps, because if we think about yeah. people's point of view about hemp 20 years ago, we've come right. a long way. Right. For sure. um, yeah, so yeah. we could just hope that maybe 20 years from now, we, we'll have gotten a little bit further into that. We can we can only hope. Yeah, I think as like um, more states legalize or maybe federally it's legalized. Um, and it's not so much of a big deal, you know, uh, then we'll see more of that happening, but it's just kind of like that part of the cycle, I guess. Right. It is cyclical all the way, man, for sure. But you know, if, when they finally do come around and people start growing hemp seeds for pressing oil, uh, I might be gone by that time, but my kids will likely (laughs) be able to use the same oil press that I'm using today because that's how Uh steady that machine is, you know? That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so let's. 
let's write this down down again just so we can like <laughs> what's 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 your favorite expeller press oil press what's your favorite what's the brand what, yeah oh yeah so it's pitaba it's p-i-t-e-b-a pitaba okay um cool. it, yeah and they sell them they're from holland is where they're made right. um okay. and they're essentially just three pieces of steel um there's a couple of nuts and washers that come with it but very very simple machine um and out of all the ones because you can find a lot of hand turned oil presses on amazon anymore um but buy that particular one if you can because in my experience it's the sturdiest piece of equipment i've seen yeah that's great yeah that's the that's one of the things like you like go on amazon or ebay or wherever you like you just see like lots of like when you're looking at like corn um grinders for instance like there's a lot of different grinders and some of them are not so good and you don't really know unless you've tried it which ones are good and which ones are yeah. just cheap. Amazon, you know, I guess, again, there's the pros and cons to everything. But for me, yeah. the cons <laughs> to it is it's like, I like to, especially if I'm going to make an investment, I want to touch it. I want to, I want right, to see yeah. it. I want to crank it. You know, like I, I feel like I got to kick the tires on this thing before I, I make a purchase like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just like every other point of the book, I've already made all the mistakes. So you guys don't yeah. have to. Um, yeah. So just take my word for it and get the pit of a press right away. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. And definitely get your book too. Yeah. The complete guide to seed and nut oils. <laughs> well, there's so yes, another definitely, definitely a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so another thing that I think is important to talk about before we uh, start wrapping up is um, the, how long these, these seed and nut oils last. Cause that's one of the reasons that commercial oils are so bad is that they mm-hmm. like they they do all these chemical extractions and deresining and everything degumming to um, make it shelf stable for years and years, but then that <laughs> that that makes it a terrible product. Um, but right. so <laughs> so when you're when you have a, a your own machine, you can press it every every couple of days, like once a week or something like that. You know, you're not worried about storing it. But um, how, how do you take care of these oils so they don't go rancid? And like, sure. So, um, and that is really the trade-off with commercial oils, isn't it? Um, now, in the book, we'll go through for each particular seed and nut oil. Every species has different requirements. You know, um, how long they should be stored or where they should be stored, and we get in in detail about that. Uh, but to make it really simple, is you want to store them in a cool, dark location, right? If you could put them in opaque glass, if you have something like that. Um, is ideal. Put them in the cupboard, put them somewhere dark. I like to keep my oils the same place where I store my, like our cans, tomatoes and that sort of thing. Uh, it's in a nice, cool, dark place. You'll find people put um, their cooking oil always like right above the stove in that cupboard because yeah. it's super convenient. That is literally the hottest part of the whole kitchen. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's the worst yeah. possible place to store your oil. So, I mean, you're convenient, sure, but boy, your, your oil is not going to last you very long. So keep it cool, keep it dark. Some oils I recommend refrigerating. So once it comes to mind, we talked about flaxseed oil is definitely one that I refrigerate. I'll typically refrigerate my hemp seed oil. Um, and again, I give the specific examples in the book, but refrigerated oil will last sometimes two to three times as long as oil will when left at room temperature. So mm. when in doubt, you can always refrigerate oil. Any oil can be put in the refrigerator. It's not going to hurt it by any means. Um, so if you're unsure 
how to store your oil. You can always keep it in the refrigerator. Sometimes they'll uh, they'll get a little cloudy. They'll thicken up a little bit from those cooler temperatures. That's totally fine. Um, that's just kind of the fat solidifying a little bit. You could take the oil right out of the fridge as it comes up room temperature. It'll clarify again. Mm -hmm. It'll be perfectly fine to use. Um, but yeah, cool and dark, just like we like to store our seeds, cool and dark. Um, and they'll last for the most part, every oil that you're ever going to work with will last for at least six months, sometimes up to a year. Refrigerated mm -hmm. could be even longer than that. Uh, but knowing that six months checkpoint right there, we know that if we continue to press our oils fresh every few weeks, we'll never hit that six month window yeah. anyways. Yeah. So our oil should always be good to go. And would you know when an oil is gone rancid by the smell? Oh okay. yeah, you'll know right away <laughs> by the smell and the taste. But interestingly enough, although it may taste awful, it may give you a little bit of a tummy ache if you consumed a lot of it for some reason, um, it's it's really not going to make you sick. It's not going to kill you. Um, you know what I mean? It may just be a, a, an awful experience. And, you know, they say the potential <laughs> long-term consumption of, of rancid oils, um, you know, creates, you know, bodily inflammation that could be long-term detrimental to your health, you know? Um, but I don't think that anybody's going to actually consume rancid oils over the long-term because they just taste so bad that I okay. think that, you know, those, those flavors, you know, they trigger that part of your brain to know that you, you shouldn't eat this, I think. Yeah. 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 You have the, the good old smell test. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It's very important. Absolutely. It works. Yeah. So the, the point is to get into a habit of doing it, you know, regularly pressing your oils and, you know, you, you keep your seeds whole and you, you press them every couple of weeks and you're always consuming fresh oil, you know, you know, that you've made. And that, that seems like a really good habit to set up. Yeah. I think it's fun. You know, I was just talking to my wife the other day about um, how much I enjoy the process of preparing a meal. Um, you know, yeah. it gets very elaborate. Like you could spend, I mean, the kids will eat a whole dinner in 20 minutes, no matter how long it takes me to prepare it. Right? It doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, they usually eat it far quicker than I cook it, but that process is, it's so nice to, 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 it's almost Zen, I guess, right. To, to smell yeah. the flavors and see the colors to really be a part of the process of, of, of creating your meals. Um, to me, it's the same thing as creating my ingredients, you know, being out in the garden and the process of growing these foods or the process of, of, of squeezing these seeds to get them to release their oils. There's just something special about that, that I think it's easy for it to become a habit. Once you do it a few times, it's, it's so easy to, to say, oh, I, I want to keep doing that. You know, yeah. uh, these oils are just so good. You start to look forward to it. Like, oh, I can't wait to get out there press some more walnuts, you know, cause you just know how good it's going to be when it happens. Um, and that's the fun. That's the most fun part about life, right? People can go to work and commute and sit in traffic or whatever they like to do, but I'd rather just stay home and, and press some seed nut oils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're connected in, into the cycle instead of alienated from it. Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. That's magical. Yeah. Walnut oil sounds really good. Is it kind of sweet? Like it is kind of sweet, you know, it's yeah. in the same plant family as hickory um, and pecans and stuff. And uh -huh. it does have a nice sweetness. It's very oily, not too so you get really good yields out of it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think I prefer probably the English walnut, um, which is the most mm -hmm. common. If you were to buy walnut oil um, or if you buy walnuts at the grocery, that's what you're going to get. You know, it's those English mm -hmm. walnuts. They're very good. Uh, but here in Michigan, you know, we have black walnuts, which yeah. are a little more difficult to, to work with. Um, You've got to have one of those crank uh like uh crackers. crackers yeah oh yeah yeah right for sure yep that's what you, you're gonna need that yeah there's definitely some some work that goes into it but boy 
I think the oil is pretty good um, and it grows right here in Michigan. And I think that that's pretty neat to be able to, to, you know, harvest nuts right off of my land or the land that I live on and, and enjoy the delicious oils, all the wonderful things that they have to offer. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we, our neighbor has like huge black walnut trees and he doesn't do anything with them. So we harvested pounds and pounds and pounds of them last fall and we've got a bunch so i think that's going to be our first experiment but you know speaking of medicinal qualities of of the plants and the oils and so i mean like you can make like your your walnut um like topical anti-parasitic or anti-fungal oils with the walnut oil you know and the walnut husk Mm, i think that would be really yeah that would be awesome, you know. So what I found that works really well for me for getting the walnut husk off, the black walnut husk, is uh, a corn sheller. Um, you know, that's a, it's a cranked, hand cranked yeah. corn shelling machine. Um, seems to work pretty well for peeling that husk off of the walnuts. Um, but it is, it's a chore. I mean, yeah. but I don't know. To me, I, I use the word chore kind of loosely. It's work, I guess. You know, you're gonna have to sit down and actually do it. But it, it's not that bad. There's a far, far more. Um, difficult jobs in the world that we could be doing um, that it's not bad. And when you know the reward at the end is going to be just so delicious. uh, (laughs) I think it's always worth it. Yeah. 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 We we used a, um, a drill with like a cement mixer. Oh yeah. Sure. Bucket of water. Yeah. So my my friend, Jason Rosenberg, who's like a naturalist and um, really into he's like a tree guy. He freezes them or he'll let them sit out, um, in on his porch in February and then he'll hit them with a hammer. And then when it's frozen, like they just kind of break in half or in quarters or whatever, and then you don't get your fingers all stained and stuff too, which is actually part of the process. Yeah. I, and I like that part, but <laughs> yeah, having black well, that, that's a good technique. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. that certainly does work. I use actually that same technique for beeswax. Um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we get our beeswax, beeswax for, and just like big clumps from the guy right. uh, yeah. so I'll freeze it and bash it with a hammer it helps me break it down into smaller pieces. oh that's a great idea usually I just have um my me. commercial beast wax machine which is Isaac I um, have uh, hammer and chisel yeah I, I have hammer and chisel, chisel. <laughs> <laughs> well and that's how we did it for years you know hammer yeah. and chisel or whatever yeah. uh, that's so uh, smart yeah I learned that from uh, an elderly lady at an event that I was teaching at one time uh, she was schooling me on all the old fashioned tracks. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it works really well. Um, and it works for walnuts too, just like your friend was saying. Cool. cool. So uh, what, what's next in the, in, in, in your world? What, yeah, what, what's new? what are you working on? What are you excited about? Well, gosh, there's so many things going on all the time. It seems <laughs> like um, one of the things that I'm excited about is we are taking our bicycle powered oil press on the road um, this fall we're going to be uh, traveling to some events here in Michigan and I'm going to bring the whole press with me and get folks to ride the bike and, and press some oil and stuff. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of take that out and show it off to folks. I think that that might help people see how fun and easy oil pressing might be. Um, yeah. You know, I might be able to get some converts that way. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but aside from that right now, it is, it's already full force harvest season. It seems like all the spring things are <laughs> happening right now. Um, yeah. So like, like I mentioned right before I came here to, to chat with you guys, I've been, I was up to my elbows and stinging nettles. Um, Cause it's like, you gotta, you gotta strike while the iron's hot. So, yeah. you know, mother nature's in peak form right now. So we just get to enjoy all of that. 
Yeah. 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 We were, we were sick and missed our hawthorn flowers. <laughs> oh my God. I felt so sad. You don't get a lot of time with some of these nope. things, you know? Yeah. No, that true. coincided exactly with, uh, with when we were in bed. So yeah, <laughs> that's a bummer for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you just got to strike while the iron's hot, as you said. Better yeah. luck with the berries, maybe this fall. <laughs> yeah. The, the, there the, you the, go. Not as much of a time constraint with them. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been a great conversation. I'm really excited to get a pitaba and get on these black walnuts. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. uh, I've started some sunflowers, did a, a row of sunflowers. So we're going we're gonna to see about those. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, thanks for writing this book. Yeah, it's it's awesome. a crucial part of the uh, whole You thing. know, I appreciate that so much. And I, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show to talk about it. Um, it it's always so much fun hanging out with you guys. So I, I'm really thankful for that opportunity. Yeah, same. Thanks, Bevan, and enjoy the rest of the day and season. Cheers.